I was raised in Tel Aviv. Uh, it's the biggest metropolitan city in Israel. <clears throat> Quite a modern, hectic, um, busy uh, city. I, I invite everybody to um, come and explore it. I was actually born in a moshav. Um, a moshav is uh, like a farm. Um, it was 1972. I reveal my age. Um, I'm 51. And a year after I was born, it was um, Yom Kippur War in Israel. My father was um, a uh, combat fighter in, a, um, in Israel's war. And a um, few days into the war, he got killed. And actually, I was with my mother. Um, we moved to Tel Aviv when I was about uh, one and a half years old. And that probably shaped up some of my entrepreneurial journey. Really? Um, you see any relations, any connections between your background and... Your yeah, I, I think that um, I was fortunate to be raised in a very um, caring, um, loving family. Uh, my mother got remarried again when I was um, 11 or 12. And um, my adopting father brought... Um, um, three siblings uh, with him and I also have a um, brother from my uh, adopting father and from my mother so I, I was I was raised up to a certain age um, as an only child um, which on the one hand um, built strong resilience and independence which I think are two very important characteristics for an entrepreneur. Um, it is a very different, um, probably, journey than, than working for a company. Um, so I, I think that's, that's kind of a basic of what I was um, maybe grown into. And also, to a certain degree, um, I think given that I was a only child with a working mother, I had to take care of myself. So I always knew I had a, a back to lean on, but also, you know, I needed to cook for myself and open the door for myself when coming back from home. And, and I think that, <clears throat> that that's definitely um, something that was burned into my um, non-born DNA uh, that created that maybe drive drive to to own my own destiny yeah. um, when do you consider your career is is started what was the beginning of your career yeah you know i i, I think i was always um working um and always in a way uh lived life as if i'm I need to take care of it. So during um, college, I, I had a sandwich business. I actually sold sandwiches to my um, uh, stu college students um, um, and, and had to, in a way, finance some of my, my education. Um, I, I was always um, either owning my own business or um, 
providing myself uh, through various um, investments or businesses. So I, I would say that journey as an entrepreneur uh, started at a very early days, um, probably as a, as a teenager. And I, I think that the first kind of real business that I started uh, was in my mid-twenties. Um, it was the, the dot-com, you know, it was an exciting period and um, tech became or it was the beginning of tech as we know it today. It was the internet um, kind of initiation. Um, and since then, I'm, I'm in this uh, roller coaster. You know, if people are talking about serial entrepreneurs, and it sounds like a, a fun uh, business to do, you know, just making companies one after another. And I, I guess it's so difficult to start all over again with a new company, with new challenges, and they, you must be very, uh, you must be uh, very enthusiastic about it. Otherwise, why would you do it? Yeah, so I, I think that um, on a personal basis, when, when you own your own business, there's lots of uncertainty. Um, so I, I would first define um, an entrepreneur as someone that can actually operate in an uncertain environment. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, you don't know if your vision, your product, your idea actually has a market. You don't know if you can raise money. You don't know if other people will follow you. Um, so I, I think that first and foremost, uncertainty is something that you need to really feel comfortable about. I think that for me personally, uncertainty is almost a joy. I enjoy coming to work knowing that I have no idea what's going to happen next. That's um, what fuels you. In, in a way, it definitely does. It's, it's kind of interesting. You know, I, I think that today, you know, I'm fortunate to be part of a company that is global, that is successful, that is, um, you know, have real serious um, enterprise customers. And we're still in a journey. We're still, mm. uh, in a way, uncertain what's going to happen in a, in a week, in a month, in a year. And the fact that I can actually color the road and remove some of those uncertainties, and I, I know that what I won't do, not gonna happen, is, is a big driver for me. It's, it's a passion. Interesting. Let's talk about the companies. The first one was after college? Yeah, so I, I was always involved in, in companies that actually the engine or their core technology was driven by data. Um, was driven by understanding behaviors and habits. Um, it was either in internet monetization, it was in media space, um, then it was in the education market, um, followed by a micropayments um, application. So through my entire career, um, I was part of businesses that data was a significant part of what made them stand out in, in their industries, in their markets. Um, you know, some of them were more successful than others, some were sold, some raised money. It, it was always um, a very, I would say, involved um, businesses. But definitely those, that, that journey over the last, you know, or the first 15 years in my entrepreneurial 
world led to the inception of, of Pyramid, um, probably as a company that comes to change the way people see the utilization of data very differently. All right, could you give me your, I don't know, five minutes uh, pitch, you know, the elevators, your elevator pitch about the company. What is it all about? Yeah, so, so I think Pyramid is a, is a very unique animal in the, what is called the BI space. The BI space is a well-established market, you know, probably 30, 40 billion dollar space. Um, it's out there for four decades, maybe a bit more. It has evolved over the, the years and, and changed. The, the, I think that maybe a decade ago was a, a moment in time where the BI space became quite established and, and mature. And it was leaning mostly on data visualization. I wanted to take my business unit and in a way visualize the activities that this business unit was doing. And you know, we are all seeing dashboards and we all know how it looks like, a very nice uh, uh, gauge, green is good, red is bad, a pie chart that tells me you know, that maybe the breakdown of my business unit and so on. And it was, it was quite established um, practice in businesses, but it was very much um, driven deep in, um, I would say, experts. And the adoption of data across businesses in a much more strategic way. Data was there all the time, you know, it's not a new concept, but um, the adoption of data, the utilization of data, the um, understanding that data is now a mission critical asset. It's not just that we're aggregating and accumulating data because one day we'll go through an audit and someone needs to know what happened. It's actually a fundamental part of our um, business assets created the need to utilize, to harvest data. And you know, it started with the trend of big data and maybe today it's humongous data. I have no idea, you know, size matters. Um, but it's, it's the, the massive amounts of data, it's the complexity of data, it's the location of data. So data actually evolved quite significantly in the last decade, you know, people were... And the ability to aggregate data has evolved immensely. Uh, absolutely, it's, it's, the, it's the data assets themselves, it's the ability to store the data, it's the ability to restore the data, it's the ability to eventually leverage and utilize the data. So first and foremost, in the last decade, massive changes in, in the importance of data within businesses. And as data became such a critical asset, organizations realized that they also need to, it's not enough that we found oil, we actually wanna use it. We wanna fuel our cars, we wanna use it to uh, you know, launch rockets to space. And the same with data. We actually wanna do more and more. And Pyramid is sitting on the course of being able to operationalize use cases business use cases from the lenses of data. So instead of thinking just about data visualization and pie charts, we also have pie charts, but they are as round as anybody else. There's no real value pro proposition behind it. Um, what we've done probably much better than anybody else is giving you the best harvesting machine that can yield the um, 
most sophisticated yet profound output for your company. So if you're sitting on a use case in manufacturing, in finance, in retail, education, um, you know, we talked about insurance, all of those use cases that eventually would give you probably two major things in the business spectrum. One is return on investment. I want to know that I'm, okay, so I have data, but if it doesn't advance as my business and I don't become more, more efficient, more competitive, um, then why, why use it? So I need to prove that I can deliver an ROI, a return on investment. And the second part is what we call TCO, total cost of ownership. So most organizations will measure the um, importance of analytics with those two matrices, an ROI and a TCO that can deliver um, an outcome. And I think Pyramid is probably an outstanding offering, technological offering, but also a mission critical application that can deliver on those two matrices. We'll get to it uh, late, a bit later, but I, probably I should have asked it a little earlier, but I, I'm really interested to, to understand what, what is it about data that thrill you so much? Some people would say data is data is data, it's, it's boring. I don't know. We're sitting here today, um, and the, probably the most um, exciting, scaring, thrilling concept is AI. Everybody's talking about AI, right? We're all um, either concerned or excited or happy or actually have ideas on how to change the world with AI. AI wouldn't exist without data. So w when you think about data, it's almost the DNA that builds everything. Uh, we're data, we're data assets. You know, we're built out of DNA. Um, there is probably a grid somewhere that defines how we are as humans uh, built. So, so data is the probably core asset that allows organization to really um, build their businesses in a much faster, smarter, efficient way um, to be uh, way more agile, to be more precise, to innovate faster, better, smarter. All of that can be done with data. If I understand, if I can understand the ins and outs of my business from a data perspective, then my actually my ability to build phenomenal businesses is second to none. That's what would make a huge difference in our world. So, so I think it's the building blocks of everything. What's so exciting in today's world is that we actually have access to it, right? We always kind of counted on experience, on gut feeling. Um, you know, I, I, was, I was brought up in an era where people said, listen, first and foremost, you need to be experienced. Why? Because experience builds intuition, it builds perspective, it builds context. And I think data almost, um, I, I don't want to say you don't need to be experienced anymore, but um, if I have two managers that would exclusively drive their business from the lenses of data, the one that will be more disciplined with utilization of data will be more successful, regardless of experience. It could have two days in the job versus someone who has 25 years in the job. So intuition has nothing to do with it? So I, I think that, you know, I, I think intuition will be our compass, you know? It will tell us you're on the right direction. It's almost a north star. 
Um, I, I think intuition is creativity, which is something that I, you know, people talk about mid-journey and fair enough, but, but that's not really the core creative, creative um, I would say, characteristics of humans. So I, I think that experience is going to be the driver but it's no more um, exclusive. You know, in, in, intuition is important that I, I'll know that, okay, it feels to me that I'm on the right direction, and actually my AI bot told me to go to the left, and I actually feel comfortable. Yes, left fell to me the right direction, so I'll use it, I won't resist it. Um, I think people that will come with less experience will be less resistance to listen to the directions that will be um, kind of guided from those tools. So back to the question on, on why data is so exciting, is because data is almost a map to everything we want to do. We can actually finally look at a business that is, you know, it's, it, it, it's not um, tangible, right? A business is not something that I can feel, um, that I can touch it, that I can move it, that I can change it. Business is, is, in a way, it's a metaphoric concept. Data, all of a sudden, builds a map of, of my business, of my use cases, of my, even my team, um, will almost put a shape on. So I know it's highly philosophical, but, but if we're thinking about, um, you know, where this world is heading to, I think data is what we need to pay attention to. The more we see data, the more we have data, the more we use data, um, the, the more maybe interesting, exciting approach we can have to using data. Is that true uh, to uh, new agile companies or would you say that old fashioned companies, uh, old school companies also uh, need to know how to control data? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a great question. I, I think that, first of all, we like to refer to it as data-driven culture. Can you adopt a culture that um, lean on, on data? Um, and and we, have, we have plenty of customers that you would probably um, char characterize them as old-fashioned, as, you know, kind of um, been there, done that for the last few decades and what can we teach them? They know everything, they've seen everything, every crisis in the market and every downturn and every upside, they've seen it all. And I think that when they see the newcomers, the more innovative, or innovative or organizations that um, almost sometimes overnight becomes um, significant drivers in any industry, they realize that becoming a data-driven organization is critical for their survivor, survival. So I, I would say that I actually think that most companies definitely um, in sizable um, industries are slowly but surely becoming um, data-driven cultures uh, or uh, driven by, by data as a culture. And, and there are lots of ways to, to kind of use that methodology, but people refer to top down and bottoms up. The organizations that will adopt it the best will be the ones that it will come from the top. 
that your manager will tell you, we're not having this meeting if you're not coming to me with data, with details, with numbers, with um, appreciation of where we are now, where we want to go, can we measure ourselves through that journey? Um, and I think those will be the more successful companies to adopt those, those methodologies. And I, I think eventually everybody will have to be data-driven. All right. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the company itself and how it handles in the, let's say, a competitive market. You entered what some people would say a, a red ocean full of uh, uh, current companies, actually big companies, huge companies. How, how, how can you succeed in such an environment? Yeah, it's, it's a great question, you know, um, which, first of all, I think every startup is being asked. Um, really? You're going to compete with Bank of America? Why the hell do you need another fintech company? And, and I think that it starts with, with an innovate, innovative idea, um, with an understanding of a problem that a customer has that potentially we know how to solve, maybe better than others. And, and what we've seen in, in the market as a, as a challenge with the type of customers that we're serving is that eventually analytics projects fail. They really don't work. And I, it's a very, very, very high level statement, works versus doesn't work. But, but that's where we started. We, 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 we're practitioners. We came from the data market. Um, through my journey and my co-founder's journey, we've been involved in many um, analytics companies and historically we saw that most of those projects will fail now it doesn't mean that it won't they won't happen but maybe they will cost 10x maybe the time to insight or the time to market for those projects will take I don't know uh, much more time to to fruition and, and that's a problem it's it's a problem because organizations eventually are spending a fortune on those uh, mission critical applications and they fail to deliver internally externally to their employees to their customers to their partners um, and, and that that's a massive problem and and when we realized that we started to think of why is it failing like it's an industry we talked about it it's an industry that exists for four decades so what happened it's not that you don't have good companies or big companies or smart people you do um, and, and I think that Pyramid had the fortunate, uh, the, the, the fortune to start the, the um, development of our solution in a proper timing. You know, people say timing is everything, mm -hmm. maybe in this case as well. So when we started to think about building our offering to the market, it was maybe six, seven years ago. And it was the beginning of the huge changes in the requirements around data assets. So it was not on the time you started the company. It was a few years later. Correct. So, so what, Was that a pivot? Or? It was a pivot. And Pyramid had a journey. And, you know, we started somewhere with, with a Microsoft um, offering. And then, you know, we started an M&A process with Microsoft, given that we're, um, we've had successful exits in the past. We didn't want to just do a quick turnaround. We wanted to build a category leader. We knew that 
the vision we've got for this market is much bigger than the opportunity we provided to us back then. And we said, thank you very much, but we're going to um, double down on, on our vision for, for this market. Um, so, so when we started this new journey, this additional journey for Pyramid, um, it was a moment in the data um, in the data time that organizations started to adopt conceptually data very differently, um, and we realized that we need to combine various various methodologies, um, different disciplines in the data space to technologically connect to data differently. And I, I know we'll, we'll have opportunities to talk about the technology. I, I don't yeah. want to dive deep into it, but I, I think philosophically, the way we're thinking about data analytics is very different to the big established, you know, companies like Microsoft and SAP and Salesforce that owns Tableau and Click that is almost a public company. Look, there are lots of vendors out there and, and they're very successful and they're very big. But they're also, I think, leaning on historical um, vision of how to utilize data and how to provide analytics on top of that. And I think what Pyramid does um, from a vision perspective is, is very, very unique in this space. Was that a eureka moment? You actually understood that you are on the verge of starting something new in this area? So I, I think, you know, it's interesting. I, I've never really had a eureka moment. Really? Yeah. And, and when you talk to entrepreneurs, I, I think that they have... Um, a moment where they think they think about something that they can solve in in a for for a business problem. I'm not so sure that there is one unique moment. At least my experience, most companies start companies start somewhere, and they evolve. They continue to innovate. They continue to change. You know, it's kind of a journey, and you're exploring, and you meet more customers, and all of a sudden you realize that you started in you know, point A and you actually need to go to point five, which is a different scale completely. <laughs> so so I, I think that for us, the good news was that it wasn't a eureka moment, that it was a, a journey, it was based on experience, it was a deep experience with customers, with partners, um, with toying with technology. We weren't just waking up in the morning, the light bulb went up, said, okay, here is how you fix the data analytics problems in this industry. It was almost the opposite. We had to go through a extensive journey um, that took you know the first five, five, six years to actually understand exactly the nuances of how to solve the data analytics problems in this market. And to, to your original question, which I tend to talk a lot, so I, I apologize for that, but to your original question, can we actually compete with mega companies? Absolutely, yes, because we, we haven't woken up one day and said, okay, it, there is a small broken problem. It, it's a conceptual um, misalignment in today's technologies with the way companies need to adopt analytics tools. And, and that's the big difference with, with Pyramid. Interesting. Um, maybe. A question about your uh, the company's relationship with investors. 
you know, the company has changed, the times have changed, maybe investors have changed also. Well, investors are the necessary evil. They know what <laughs> I think about them, so I, I don't have a problem to say that. But um, they, they're a critical part of our journey. And, you know, when we started Pyramid, we started as a bootstrap. We invested our own money, a few millions. Um, we actually incorporated in the Netherlands because we were looking for a unique um, tax structure. Structure. We thought we will never raise money from anyone. We'll be cash flow positive overnight, and we'll never pay taxes. Um, and obviously, that that wasn't realistic, and that wasn't the, the way to go. And for companies, definitely um, companies like us that wants to scale and grow and 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 compete with those what we call mega vendors, um, you need to have a financial backing. I, I think that we are fortunate to be backed by some of the best um, partners in the world. Um, globally, Sequoia, HIG, two massive uh, funds that were backing some of the most successful companies in the world. And in Israel, Viola and JVP, um, you know, we have phenomenal relationship with them. They're a big part of our success story. They're, they, they, are, they are really partners of us. The, the, the interesting part about JVP specifically is that they were investors in a company called Click, which is a high flyer in our industry, um, went public almost a decade ago, and they, they did a home run with them. And I think that JVP, uh, given their success in our space, were waiting to find the next, um, the next company that will be, you know, another success story in the analytics market. And we're very, you know, grateful for their, their support, but also it's almost a kosher stamp that someone that already, you know, succeeded in this industry uh, and understand and appreciate what Pyramid brings to, to the market and, and joined our journey. You know, we're in an interesting financial time Right. Um, interesting is the right word for that. Definitely, yeah. definitely interesting. Uh, maybe if you look a year back or a year and a half back, um, you know, people were writing checks without even doing a basic due diligence and and giving maybe even non-realistic valuations. I, I think that those times have gone. But to be honest, I've been in the dot com. I've been through the sub the subprime. I've been through COVID and post COVID. I think those are, you know, um, it, it is a roller coaster, and, and times sometimes are better, sometimes are, um, you know, more challenging. We're definitely in the more challenging times from a financial perspective. But you enjoy a cooperation from the investors during these hard times? Yeah, so I, I think, first of all, our investors are very much behind the company and supporting us, and we're lucky to have quite a significant runway. So, you know, we, we don't see any unique financial stress and we're growing and, you know, we're eventually, uh, the best investment is paying customers, which we're lucky to have. So um, I, I think that that's, that's less a concern. But, you know, um, eventually every company in order to scale and grow needs a, an a, a bigger financial event, whether it's an IPO or a merge with a big, bigger company that will represent a bigger market. And I think that that's something that will probably be delayed um, and we will continue to grow 
as an independent vendor. Our passion is to grow this company as, a, as an independent uh, BI player in this space. Um, you know, we already turned down acquisitions in the past, so it's not something that we're going to hunt for. Um, I, I think we have a very big commitment to our customers. And for that reason, I think that we will continue to build relationship with, with VCs, with investors, with PE firms in, in the space that can help us co continue growing. All right. I would like to ask you something in a different uh, aspect of your um, activity. Um, I wonder what drives you today. You are really have a lot of experience, many years in the, in the business. What do you think about when you wake up in the morning? What's on your mind? What is the motivation to go further? Um, First of all, I think every entrepreneur is a competitive person. Um, and I want Pyramid to be the best. I want Pyramid to be number one. I want, to be, I want Pyramid to be in the mouth of every person that needs to use analytics. We'll think about Pyramid first. So I think for me, my passion is to take this company to be a category leader. And you know, I've built businesses, I sold businesses. I closed businesses, and I've never so far built a category leader. I think Pyramid has everything it needs to be a category leader. It has the DNA, it has the vision, it has the product, it has the leadership team, it has the experience, it has the investors that we need to do that. So how far are you from being that? So we, we're actually uh, category leaders in, in various areas. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we touched a little bit on AI, so by Gartner, if there are various ways to uh, consider yourself as get category leader, right? So if I think about Gartner, um, at least maybe as the people who provide the Bible for, for um, technology, uh, for te tech technologies, uh, Gartner is the company that uh, defines the areas and uh, put the companies on, a, in, on the magic uh, square. Correct. So, so Gartner is, 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 is almost the, the Bible for the buyer, right? right. If, I'm, if I'm an IT guy in Bank of America and I'm going to purchase a new technology, I'm going to first go to Gartner and ask them who are the vendors that I should consider. So in AI, Pyramid is ranked number one by Gartner. We're a relatively small company in you know, the outskirts of Tel Aviv, and we're still winning, based on that, um, mega accounts in the millions. Uh, federal, US federal co contracts, um, banks, insurance, retailers, worldwide. And big part of that is because we're category leaders in what the market is calling augmented analytics, but basically that's AI for, for data analytics. Um, so we are a category leader in that perspective. I, I think when you think about this, this market and, and kind of break out the various vendors, there isn't another vendor like Pyramid. Um, culturally, there isn't another vendor like Pyramid. I, I think we're um, serving the biggest companies in the world, but we're still culturally um, almost feeling like a family. We care about them as, as you know, as probably um, larger vendors will pay less attention, and and also um, 
the, the fact that no other vendor yet has came out with the way Pyramid is built from a technology perspective still position us as, as category leaders. We still need to grow and, you know, in revenues and in, in customer base to be considered from a market, pack, ca market cap perspective yep. to be category leaders, and, and that's the journey that we need to take. But I think we established the, the fact that what we've built is highly differentiated. It solves a massive problem, and you cannot buy it anywhere else. It's, it's quite unique. Right. Let's talk a, a little bit about people, your people. A, you know, they say people are, all, are always a challenge. Hiring employees, re retention of employees, sometimes letting go of employees. What can you tell us about the, people's, uh, the people in, in your company? Well, I, I'll start by saying that it's all about people. Um, it's, the technology is great, but even technology is built by people. Um, I, I think that what's unique about Pyramid as a company, A, is that I hope that we continue to feel like a family. Um, it's a global organization. We have offices in Israel, in the UK, in London, in East Coast, West Coast, in Berlin, in Dubai. Um, how, ma how many employees? We're about total? 200 plus. Um, right. And you're still growing? We are still growing. Yep. Um, despite the financial yeah, um, distress, we, we are growing and we will continue to grow. But, but I think what's, what's, what's important to us um, as, as founders, as leadership team, even, you know, I hear it from the board that um, it's very unique, is that Pyramid is, still feels like a family. Um, you know, it's, it, it, at some point when you grow, it's very uncommon for organizations to support internally different functions, support the same goal. Everybody has their own agenda and their own objectives and I'm going after my goals and leave me alone and you're holding me back and you're pushing me for no reason. And I think that um, at Pyramid there's still a very strong feeling um, that it's a collective effort and it's not just every individual for themselves. It's not just every function that needs to um, create their own output and be done with it. So I, I think that's, that's first something that we continue to build internally from a culture perspective that everybody rolls their sleeves. Everybody is, is part of, of the mission. Um, everybody is, is supporting the end game. You know, we have people that are with us from day one, um, and this is already you know, a decade plus um, journey. And the fact that people stayed and, and continue to believe and continue to work so hard. You asked me earlier, why do I wake up every morning and doing the, you know, kind of joining this uh, crazy world of entrepreneurial? Some of it is people. Um, you know, they push you, they challenge you, they make you, they, they make you who you are, and to a certain degree, they make you better. You know? how, how do you keep the, the commitment of the employees? How do you keep them, um, the loyalty? Because, you know, in a competitive, competitive market, people are moving from uh, one company to its competitor. First of all, you know, um, it's a good question, and um, I, I think we, we provide a platform for innovation, 
um, I think people have a say. Everybody has something to contribute around the table. You're not just you know, part of the machine. Uh, we we want to know what you think. We understand that it's critical for our success to pay attention and to listen to everybody. So first of all, I think that the, the, the feeling that um, everybody can contribute is something that is very unique. I, I think that the fact that we are innovating at the extreme, um, the business we're in is, you know, it's AI and machine learning and data and analytics. It's the cutting edge of what drives the world today. So I, I think that, that part of that is the, the space we're in, the industry we're in, and how we innovate around those, those assets. Um, and then, you know, I, I think that people have a shared vision. Um, they see how we influence our customers. They hear the feedback from customers of how important what we do for them is. And, and I think that, that makes people super um, excited and happy. All right, all right. Um, maybe last question for this talk uh, is, um, where do you see the company, let's say five years from now, in all aspects of, of its, uh, its uh, devol- development? So I, I think what Pyramid is trying to do is provide a wholesome experience, a standard offering to leverage data. And that concept hasn't yet been adopted across the board by everybody, right? Um, that's maybe why we're still quite unique about that. But if I'm thinking, you know, three, four, maybe five years forward, first and foremost, I think that conceptually, we will see organizations intuitively saying, listen, I need a, stan- stan- a standard way to run my business from the lenses of analytics, which is something doesn't really happen yet on a mass basis today. So that's one thing, that our vision will become almost the standard in the industry. Um, I want Pyramid to be um, an independent vendor, maybe public, maybe not. I, I think this is more a financial story rather than um, a goal. But more, most importantly, that our vision will be part of what every organization is waking up in the morning and say, okay, that's what we need to embrace. If we want to maintain competitiveness, if we want to be a leading um, entity in, in our space, in our industry, we must take into account that understanding that data is the way to go. Uh, do you see any M&As on the, on the road ahead? First of all, I, I don't think we're interested in selling Pyramid, but um, growing through M&As is something that we definitely um, look at. We're looking at companies that are maybe a little bit smaller than us um, that can either add value to our roadmap or can add value to our vision um, or you know, operate in the space we're in Um, and we feel that if they became part of Pyramid, we can collectively do a better job for, for our mutual customers. So I, I think I'm going to flip it and say that we're looking to acquire companies. Um, we're, not, we're not actively by any means um, interested in, in selling Pyramid. All right. Uh, the guessing game, the popular 
guessing game uh, in the last, uh, I don't know, two years is when this bad uh, period will end, what do you see, where do you see yourself getting out of from it and, uh, you know, the market will flourish again? I, I think, first of all, you know, from a, a macroeconomic perspective, I, I think we've seen the, the, the strongest dip, the largest dip, uh, I think, from here. Yes. There's going to be a correction. We see corrections in, in the markets. Um, you know, various geographies are faster than others. For us, the U.S. is our biggest market, and I think it's already almost out of danger zone, and it's going to start climbing back. I, I think that probably 2024 is still going to be kind of a, a year where we all take more cautious and it's going to still be money is going to be expensive interest rates um you know hopefully inflation is going to go down a bit um so i think 2024 is still going to be an interesting year but it's not going to be any more um unknown which is probably the the most problematic um aspect of financial markets when uncertainties and unknown are a big part of it then you'll see a you know a red flag across the entire space i, I think we're no longer there i think that the macroeconomy um, um activities and actions that has been put in place removed some of the uncertainties in a maybe even more than some in a way in a big way and now it's about recovery so i think 2024 will be a recovery year and probably 2025 is when we're starting where we'll start to see um, climbing up again. All right. So you leave us with an optimistic uh, feeling about Listen, the future. I'm an entrepreneur. I have to be <laughs> an optimistic person. Otherwise, <laughs> I would shit myself. Well, now we are all optimistic. Uh, thank you very much, Henri, for this uh, interesting conversation. And I hope to talk with you again quite soon. Awesome. Thank you okay. so much. Thanks for having me. Bye.